Welcome to Strong Meat for Strong Believers. I'm Pastor Doug Johnson. I want to invite you to join me as we look at the issues facing us today and what God's Word says about them. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, Milk is for babies, but strong meat is for grown-ups who can discern the difference between good and evil. At the end of the broadcast, I'll tell you how you can get a copy of this message for yourself. And now, grab your Bible and get ready for another helping of Strong Meat for Strong Believers. So I want to ask you this morning, have you ever said something to someone that caused them to want to kill you? (laughs) Well, if you have, you're in good company because that's what Jesus did here. Uh, You know, but I think most of us try to watch what we say, don't we? You know, uh, and and, and we may do some things and say things that make people mad at us. But, you know, we try to watch what we say, especially when we're in church. Well, Jesus was in church when he did this. He was in the synagogue. And the church folks got so mad at him for what he said, they tried to murder him. Now, I'm pretty sure that murdering someone revokes your church membership. If not, it should be, and especially if it's the Son of God. So the question I want to ask this morning and what we look at today is, what did Jesus say that riled them up so much that they tried to kill him? Well, the first problem that he was facing was he was in his hometown of Nazareth. And they didn't see him as the Messiah. They looked at him as Joseph's boy. In fact, uh, they wondered how he could teach the way that he did. And they weren't receiving anything that he had said. Even when he read from the, the scroll from the book of Isaiah, when he read that in their midst, and then he said, today this scripture is fulfilled before you, they didn't even get it. Because they're looking at him as Joseph's boy. They don't see him as the Messiah. And I want to tell you this morning, when God tells you something, pay attention regardless of who he uses to say it to you because it is a word from God, not from that person. Okay? God's already been speaking this morning, and I pray pray that you receive his word. God's been speaking through our Sunday school teachers this morning. He's been speaking through Pastor Jeremy when he opened the service, through the songs we've been singing. God's been speaking already. Have you been listening? Because most people think, well, I'm just waiting for Pastor Doug to get up there, then I'll receive it. No, you receive whatever God tells you when he tells you whoever he uses. Because the way I see it, if he can use a donkey to wake up Balaam, he can use anybody he wants to. If he can use a rooster to turn Peter around and use a whale to turn Jonah around, God can use anybody anywhere. Yes, he can. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you. Now, I realize that I'm in my hometown this morning, and so if you get mad at me, promise you won't murder me. Okay? I don't want to literally relive what we just read today. But the first problem that he was facing was that they didn't see him as the Messiah. They saw him as Joseph's boy. But what really made them mad was when he referred to two people in the Old Testament. And I want to focus on those two people. So let's turn their Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. Because we need to understand what Jesus was saying. Because not only so we can understand why they got mad, but there is a reason why Jesus said what he said to the people of his day, and specifically on this particular day. 1 Kings 17. We go. The first person he mentions is the widow of Zarephath. And so we're going to take a look at her. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning with verse 8. Now this is Elijah 
God speaks to Elijah in verse 8. It says, And the word of the Lord came to him and said, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said. But make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and afterward make for you and for your son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Wow, what a miracle came to this widow woman's house. Now, you got to understand, when this took place, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel were in power at this time. And they were very wicked rulers. The prophet Elijah comes on the scene, and to judge the sin of Israel... Elijah prayed, and God shuts up the heavens. No dew nor rain for three and a half years. And you can imagine the kind of drought that that brought on. And so the drought caused a lot of hardship for everyone, including Elijah. In fact, if you'll read the beginning part of chapter 17, it tells us that he had been living beside a brook. And God had been commanding the ravens to feed Elijah. They were bringing him bread and meat twice a day. How's that for service? Hallelujah. You don't have to tip your waiter when that happens. Amen. God was feeding them with ravens, but then the brook dries up because of the drought. And so now Elijah is now suffering because of what King Ahab and Queen Jezebel has done. You know, sometimes the people of God suffer because of wicked rulers. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 2, 2, Pray for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. My friends, you should always do more praying than complaining about our leaders. If, I, if you don't like the way the country's going, pray for our leaders. If you don't like what's going on in the economy, pray for our leaders. If you don't like what's happening and what this one's doing, pray for them. Always do more praying than you do complaining. And things will change, absolutely. And so in this particular case... King Ahab and Queen Jezebel were leading Israel into idol worship, and Israel was following right along with them. Even after God did all those things for them, they were following and worshiping idols now. And so God sent a drought. And so there was a drought and a famine in the land, and food was scarce. And so the widow of Zarephath had just enough oil and meal left to, for her and her son, and that was all she had. And she was gathering wood when she heard Elijah ask for some water. Now notice this. They're in the middle of a drought. But Elijah asks for the one thing 
that there is scare, it's scarce and everybody is trying to hold up as much as they can. He's asking for water. Let me tell you something. It wasn't just Elijah asking for it. He was representing the Lord. He's the man of God, the prophet of God. And he's telling her, he's saying, I want to ask you something. Will you put me first before your own need? You see, God wants you to put him first above your need. Because when you put God first, he supplies our needs. Now, some of you might be listening to me and thinking, you know, I can't afford to pay tithes with all my bills. I just can't afford it. No, you can't afford not to. Because it's not about money, it's about faith. It's never been about money. It's about faith. God wants you to trust him more than you trust Visa and MasterCard. God wants you to trust him more than you trust the mortgage on your house or the equity in your house. God wants you to trust him more. And so Elijah is putting a test to this widow woman. He's saying, can you give me some water? When water was as scarce as anything. You see, God, here's God's economic stimulus plan. Pastor Jeremy mentioned it already this morning, but I want to show you from the word of God. It's Malachi 3.10. Now, this is God speaking. He said, bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse, that there will be meat in my house. And prove me now with this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now the word tithes simply means a tenth. That's what it means. And throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, you will see that tithing is there and that God wanted people to put him first. It's called the, the, uh, it's called the lesson of the first fruits. In Exodus 13, you'll see how God told everyone, he said, the firstborn belongs to me. Your firstborn child, dedicate them to me. Your firstborn cattle, dedicate them to me. In Exodus 29, God said, I want you to give me the first fruits of your harvest. When your harvest comes in, give me the first one, and I'll bless the rest of your harvest. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul told the, the Corinthians, he said, on the first day of the week, which is like today, he said, receive an offering of all those that come to church because of what they've set aside and what God's blessed them. That's why we do that on church. And then when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose from the dead on the first day of the week. God wants to be first. Can you see the pattern? Here's another example. When Israel went in the promised land, the first city they took was Jericho. And God said, all the gold and all the silver in Jericho belongs to me. Give it to me. Why? Because it was the first city. And God said, when you put me first, I'll give you victory all along the way. When you put him first in your finances, he will supply your needs because God's blessing is on the first part, not the last part, because it takes faith to put him first. And faith is what it's all about. It ain't about money. It's about faith. And somebody get that? Y'all get that this morning? Give God praise because we're putting him first on the first day of the week. So Elijah says to her, can you first give me a drink of water? God is telling her, can you put me first? Can you trust me? So the widow agrees to get him some water, but then Elijah asks for something else. He says, can you also give me something to eat? And the widow tells Elijah that she didn't even have enough food. She says, I only have enough meal, enough oil to make for me and my son a cake. We're going to eat it, and we're going to die. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever been to the very last part of food in your cupboard. I don't know if you've ever had a plan in place that we're going to eat this one last thing together and then we're just going to lay down and starve to death. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but I want to tell you that was the situation the widow was in. And so for Elijah to ask her to give him something to eat first of all the gall. Can you imagine somebody like a prophet of God taking that widow's last meal? Can Who does he think he is? Again, It's not Elijah, it is God. God is saying, are you willing to trust me with what you have left? Because then Elijah says in verse 14, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal will not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. He gives her a word from God. Now the widow has a choice. The choice is this. She can eat her last meal and die like she planned. Or she can believe this stranger and believe God and live. You see, she didn't know that Elijah was actually the one who prayed for the drought. Can I tell you something? When you put other people's needs before your own, you may end up blessing the one who can bring you out of your mess. That was the situation the widow was in. Hallelujah. And so Elijah knew something the widow didn't. Because remember in verse 9, God had told him, I have commanded a widow there to take care of you. Hallelujah. He knew. And then so when he told her that if you put me first, if you take my, take care of my needs, God will take care of you. Let me tell you something. God will put you in a position where you will either receive your miracle or you'll reject it based on your decision. Look at your neighbor and tell him, it's a setup. It's a setup. God may be setting you up this morning for a major miracle, and the decision that you make today will determine if you receive your miracle or if it passes you by. And so what does the widow do? By faith, the widow feeds Elijah first. Some Bible scholars call this the widow's fast. Because she was willing to go without food to meet the need in the life of somebody else. You see, the widow's fast was not a long fast. God immediately intervened for her and her son and gave her a miracle. And the Bible says she continued to feed Elijah and her family throughout the drought. And her barrel of meal never wasted. And the cruise of oil never ran out. Hallelujah. My friend, what you make happen for other people, God will make happen for you. Do you believe that? Give God praise. Hallelujah. Another example of this in the New Testament is John chapter 6. A little boy gave up his lunch of five barley loaves and two small fish so Jesus could feed over 5,000 hungry people. And Jesus multiplied it. Why? Because he willingly put, uh, his, put other people's needs before his own. He gave his only meal, and Jesus multiplied it. And how much did the little boy get back? Twelve baskets full of leftovers. My friend, when God says, I'll give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, he means what he says he says you give and I'll give it back somebody give God praise for God's multiplication table what you make happen for others God will make happen for you so let's learn a lesson from this widow put God first and he'll take care of the rest no wonder Jesus mentioned her now the second person he mentioned is a man by the name of Naaman let's go to 2nd Kings chapter 5 
2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 says this. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given him deliverance unto Syria and he was also a mighty man of valor, but he was also a leper. Look at verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake to him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a young child, and he was clean. Hallelujah. So Naaman was a great man. He was the captain of the king's army. He was honorable. He was a man of valor. He was rich, but he needed a miracle. Because sometimes you need something that money can't buy. I don't know how many of you have needs this morning. Some of you may have gotten a doctor's report recently that you just don't know what's going to happen and money just cannot solve your problem. Maybe some of you are facing a mountain in your life right now and you're wondering, God, how in the world is this going to turn out? How can I get my kids to live right? How am I going to get this taken care of? Because money ain't the problem. It's this, Lord. But I want to tell you, faith only works if you work it, not if you have it. Because the Bible says it is given unto man, God has given unto every man a measure of faith. Every single person here has faith. But faith only works if you work it, not if you have it. And when you, you need faith when your feelings begin to lead you the wrong way. Because your feelings will tell you, I don't know how it's going to happen. I am so distraught. I am so full of anxiety right now. I can't even think. That's what your feelings are saying. But all your faith can rise up in your spirit and say, if you just hold on one more time, if you pray one more time, my God can make a way. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but give God a praise because he's heard you but I want to say to you this morning you can talk yourself out of a miracle I call it the Naaman syndrome because <laughs> look, at, look at what Naaman did you know Elisha told him what to do but here's what Naaman said Naaman said well I thought he would at least come out and speak to me who's he think he is he didn't even speak to me I thought he'd come over and, and at least pray for me. He didn't even pray over me. He didn't even smite his hand or rub his hand over the place. He didn't do anything that I thought he would. That right there can knock us out of our miracle because God don't always do things the way we think he will. And a lot of people let their thoughts keep them from miracles. My friend, God has a miracle in store for you, but you've got to get your thoughts and your ideas out and say, God, however you want to do it, just do it, Jesus. I'm trusting you. 
Sometimes he uses doctors. Sometimes he does the, the, he uses Jordan River. Sometimes he uses prayer and anointing. Sometimes he uses something else. But I'm telling you, God is the healer. And just because God didn't answer you the way you thought he would doesn't mean he's not going to. God's got the answer on the way. Do you believe that today? It's just a test of your faith. That's all it is. Now, he was a leper. Leprosy is a skin disease. So bathing and cleanliness are very important to a leper. And Naaman said, the rivers of Damascus are better than all the waters in Israel. Now, he's talking from a natural perspective. He's a leper. He's thinking, if I get in that dirty Jordan River, Lord knows what kind of diseases and stuff, and that's a dirty river. I can go back to my own hometown and rush in better rivers than Jordan River. I'm going to go back home, and he gets so angry, he walks off in a rage, in a rage. Wow, a lot of people getting mad at God today. Have you noticed that? That's a little thread going through the story this morning. But notice his, but you know, but you see, God will put you in a position to receive your miracle or reject it. Tell your neighbor, it's a setup. That's all it is. It's a setup. That doctor's report you got, it's just a setup. That pink slip you got from your job, it's just a setup. Whatever the devil's hitting you with, it is just a setup. God's getting ready to make a way where there seems to be no way. Who am I preaching to today? Give God praise. The answer's coming. And so his servants step up and say, listen, listen, master, listen. If he had asked you to, some, to do some great thing, you would have done it. If he would asked you to stand on your head, you know, and do the alphabet backwards, you would have done that. Why don't you just go and try this little thing? Just go down there and just dip and just see what happens. And so they convince him. And so he goes down the muddy Jordan River and he dips seven times. Seven is God's number. It means completeness. It means wholeness. Hallelujah. He dips seven times and he comes back up and his skin is like the skin of a baby's skin. He is healed. Hallelujah. God knows what he's doing. And God wants to know from you today, do you trust him even when it doesn't make sense? Will you trust him even when what he's told you doesn't make sense? The Bible tells us in James chapter 2, verse 20, that faith without works is dead. If you want a miracle, you must do your part in the miracle as well. Naaman had a part to play. The widow had a part to play. Your faith, you've got to exercise your faith. I can't exercise your faith for you. You can't exercise my faith for me. We all have faith. You've got to work it yourself. Because if you are not working your faith, it is a dead faith. Jesus healed the man with the withered hand. And you know, when you've got a withered hand, it's not something you want to make public. You want to, you know, maybe hide it in your pocket or maybe kind of keep it hid somehow. And when you've got a withered up arm or hand, it's hard to even stretch it out. But Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. And so he did his part. He stretched forth his hand. And as he stretched it forth, his hand was healed. Hallelujah. If you want a miracle, do your part. <laughs> Jesus healed the man who was sick with palsy on the stretcher. He came to that man. He said, take up your bed and walk. 
Now that's something that man couldn't do on his own. But at his word, that man rolled over, pushed himself up, stood up. Then he rinsed over, picked up his bed, and he walked. When you do your part, God will do his. When he healed ten lepers... He told them, he said, go and show yourself to the priest. Because the priest was the only one who could declare someone free of leprosy back then. And the Bible says, as they went, as they obeyed his word, they were healed. As long as they stood there, they were still lepers. Jesus was standing in front of them. As long as they stood there, their healing didn't come. It was only when they did their part in obedience to God, the healing became real. Hallelujah. Jesus healed the blind man. By spitting on the ground and making clay and wiping it on his eyes. He said, now I want you to go down to the pool of Siloam and wash it off. You don't send a blind man down a three flights of stairs to the pool of Siloam when he's blind to wash clay off. But Jesus did. You know why? Because when you do your part, God will do the rest. And he went and washed it off and he came back seeing. I'm telling you, faith will cause you to obey God and do what he tells you to do. Hallelujah. How else can we expect God to bless us if we haven't done what he's already told us to do? There is a part that we play. Obedience is the key to receiving from God. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, are you willing to do what God asks you to do in order to receive what you need? And so this is why Jesus chose Naaman and the widow of Zarephath when he's talking to the people of Nazareth. And so Jesus told the people of Nazareth, That the widow was the only one who received a miracle. And Naaman was the only leper that was healed. Why? He said there were many widows in the land, but only one got their miracle. There were many lepers in the land, but only one got the miracle. And by the way, Naaman wasn't even a Jew. He was a Syrian. He was a heathen. He wasn't even entitled to a miracle. But when you got faith in God, God looks beyond social boundaries, and he'll give you a miracle. Even if you're the last one in your family believing, he will hear your prayer. And why did these two people, out of everyone else, all the other widows, all the lepers, why were these two healed? I'll tell you why. It was their faith and their obedience that got them their miracle. And so Jesus was saying to the people of Nazareth, if you had the faith and obeyed God like these two people did, you would believe on me and not reject me, but you are faithless and disobedient. And that is what got them riled up. He said, you are faithless and you've been disobedient to God. And as we read, he was right. Because look at what they did to him. He was right. They were faithless and they were disobedient. They took the Son of God. The Bible says all they in the synagogue, that includes the minister, they grabbed Jesus took him to the brow of the hill the city was built on, and they, plus the minister, was going to throw him off. My friend, that's what happens when you become faithless and disobedient because it hardens your heart to the point where you don't even see Jesus when he's standing right in front of you. 
And if you're not careful, you end up casting him out of your life, thinking you're better off, but the devil is a liar. I want to tell you, Jesus brought you here this morning because he still loves you, and he wants you to know you're better off with him than you ever were without him. Somebody give God praise for salvation. I'm closing. Hold with me. They tried to kill him, but they couldn't. The Bible says he simply passed right through them and went on his way. You know why? Because Jesus will not stay in a church that doesn't want him. Jesus will not stay in a house that doesn't want him. He will not stay in a person's heart that doesn't want him. A friend of mine a few years ago, went on a missions trip to the Bahamas. I used to tease about that. I said, yeah, a missions trip to the Bahamas. Yeah, I'd like to go on a missions trip to the Bahamas. You know, yeah, I said, you're going on vacation. That's what you're doing. He said, no, I promise. He said, we're going to build a, help build a church there. And he did. He did. When he came back, he was telling his testimony. And he stood in front of the church. And tears began to roll down his eyes. He said, Christians are different over there. And they are here. He said, over there, Christians walk to church. They bring lanterns to church with them because they know they're going to be there till after dark. And then they got to walk back. So they come prepared not only to meet God, but they also come prepared for the, the trip back. He said, they don't have pews there. They don't even have chairs. He said, they sit on the ground. And they're in no hurry. He said, they want to hear from God. He said, they are so hungry for God. He said, we had a watch night service that went all night long there. 150 people showed up. And they stayed with us all night long, praying and seeking God all night long. He said, 12 people got saved in that service. He said, in America, if the service goes longer than an hour, some people get up and leave. He said, Christians are different over there. And I wonder, what makes the difference? I'll tell you what makes the difference. He that has forgiven much loves much. He that has forgiven little loves little is what Jesus said. And we've become so accustomed to church the way we want it instead of church the way that God really desires it to be. Because you see, friends, we'll do it one of two. We'll bow our knee before God one of two ways, either because we want to or because we have to. We will bow our knee to God either because we love him or because we're facing a problem that is forcing us to get on our knees. Can I tell you something today? Don't wait for problems to force you to spend more time with God. Spend time with God now because you love him because it makes a world of difference. That's why the widow got her miracle. That's why Naaman got his miracle. They had faith in God and they did their part. So let's learn a lesson in faith and obedience from these two people. Because I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing our people sick and hurting. Anybody tired of seeing that? I'm tired of seeing marriages falling apart. I'm tired of people complaining and gossiping instead of actually praying and fixing the problem. It is time, friends, that we put God 
first that we fast and pray until the devil's hold is broken. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Who's with me this morning? Get on your feet and give God the praise that he deserves. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. What is it about you that causes God to give you a miracle? When there are so many other people in the same situation you're in, and yet they don't get it, I'll tell you what it is. It is your faith and your obedience. That is what makes the difference. Faith and obedience. And that's the title of this message. And so today, Jesus is asking, do you believe me? And second of all, will you obey me? Because faith and obedience opens the door to miracles in your life. Naaman was the only leper that got healed. The widow of Zarephath was the only widow who got a miracle. They were the only two in all the land. I wonder who this morning God's going to get a miracle to because you believe him and you're willing to obey him. Hallelujah. This has been Strong Meat for Strong Believers. If this broadcast was a blessing to you, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at revivalfire29 at yahoo.com or call me at 964-5333 and visit Raven Assembly of God's website at ravenag.org and find out more information about our church. This is Pastor Doug Johnson reminding you to keep your head up. God is on your side. And join me next time for more Strong Meat for Strong Believers.